The following program is being brought to you on the Green Talk Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit thegreentalknetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome. Today we're speaking about child honoring, an all-inclusive culture of respect for people, wildlife, and environments. And my guest today is Rafi. Hello, Rafi. Hello, Rob. Thanks for being here. Let me tell people a bit about you. Known to millions simply as Rafi, Rafi Kevorkian is a renowned Canadian songwriter and performer, founder of Child Honoring, and a member of the Council of Human Development. Rafi has a doctorate in music from the University of Victoria and a doctorate of letters from the University of British Columbia. Rafi has performed for multiple generations with Troubadour Music. A generation saw him and heard him perform Down by the Bay and Baby Beluga. Now adults, Beluga grads, quote-unquote, tell Rafi that they're raising their children with his music. Rafi is a passionate advocate for children's rights or a child's right to live free of commercial exploitation in healthy environments. Rafi's most recent works for adults and youth are the book, Child Honoring, How to Turn This World Around, co-edited with psychologist Dr. Sharna Offman, an inspirational CD called Resisto Dancing, Songs of a Compassionate Revolution and Communion, and he has a new DVD, Rafi Renaissance. A respected international figure with the Order of Canada and the UN's Earth Achievement Award, Troubadour Rafi is a catalyst for change. It's just a great honor to hear you on, on the radio with us today, Rafi. Uh, could you tell us a bit about your evolution toward a deeper and more inclusive culture of respect? Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, you know, during my music career, entertaining children and families, the uh, main uh, theme with which I, you know, related to children was one of respect. The core value in my career was respect for the child as a whole person. And during my career in both the songs that I sang, the tone of voice with which I performed, and in the many, you know, interviews that I gave, I emphasized that we need to, as individuals and families, uh, you know, show respect for the child as a whole person. And now... Now that I'm no longer doing that work, I haven't done a concert tour in nine years, <clears throat> I have, um, uh, you might say my work has evolved to espousing a philosophy 
based on a culture of respect, not just one you know that individuals and families show to their children, but uh, as a society uh, working towards a culture of respect that does not exploit its young, but rather uh, you know builds the environments, the learning environments, the living environments uh, that best give children the best chance to get to know their own voice, to become resourceful, productive citizens and earth stewards. That's a wonder. That's just phenomenal. Um, I was really taken by your work uh, because you speak of uh, earth stewards and so much of our work, and as your song does originally, the Baby Beluga song, it is around stewardship, that um, it's very appropriate that you would uh, take the time to join us on this radio show called Ocean River Shields of Achilles because it tells the stories of different people uh, picking up the, the tools for stewardship and responsible management of environments. Uh, tell us more about um, this culture of respect. Well, child honoring is a vision. Uh, it's also a way of life. Uh, it's an organizing principle for building humane and therefore sustainable societies because you can't have one without the other. And uh, it's a revolution in values that calls for a profound redesign of every sphere of society. And uh, I like to say that child honoring is the children's first way of sustainability. Um, it's an approach to healing communities and restoring ecosystems simultaneously. It regards how we hold and treat our young as the key to building a better world. Because, let's face it, it's people who are making the decisions whether they be sustainable or not. So if you tend to the early ecology, the primary ecology of early years, you benefit the whole of society. Yes, we're going to uh, talk more about the primacy you know, of early years and how we need to uh, tend to that. Uh, but tell us about your journey in building um, the support for child honoring and, you know, how you engaged various people in the process. Yes, I will. Thank you. Uh, in 1997, this vision came to me, woke me from a sound sleep, and I knew that child honoring was the work of the rest of my life. Um, and in 1999, I came to uh, uh, write uh, something called a covenant for honoring children, uh, which I'll get to in a minute, but that same year I uh, was invited to give a talk at the New York Academy of Medicine by uh, arguably the leading pediatrician in America, Dr. Philip Landrigan, who is now uh, on my board of directors of the Center for Child Honoring. But uh, Dr. Landrigan was a terrific initial uh, support because he understood that uh, children's environmental health ought to be uh, a concern of everyone. And so my talk at the New York Academy of Medicine was very well received, uh, and I, I got a tremendous boost uh, by the introduction uh, by Dr. Landrigan. That same year, 1999, I went to Dharamsala, India, and had a, <clears throat> a talk, a private meeting with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and he was so taken by uh, what he heard about child honoring as a philosophy that I was invited back the following year and uh, we uh, uh, videotaped a conversation on uh, honoring children. And that's part of the program on the DVD, Rafi Renaissance, uh, 
that people can watch uh, is this wonderful 10-minute conversation with the Dalai Lama. Now, would you like me to outline uh, what the covenant is about and its uh, nine principles, Rob? Yes, we have a couple of minutes before the break, and um, yes. I'll do so. The covenant for honoring children begins like this. It says, we find these joys to be self-evident, that all children are created whole, endowed with innate intelligence, with dignity and wonder, worthy of respect. And uh, I believe uh, we're going to hear now a reading of that covenant. Is that right, Rob? Yes, let's listen to this. The, uh, the voices on it will be those of Jane Goodall, uh, the Dalai Lama, his sister, and the Tibetan youth, and myself. The Covenant for Honoring Children. Let's listen to this. We find these joys to be self-evident, that all children are created whole, endowed with innate intelligence, with dignity and wonder, worthy of respect. The embodiment of life, liberty, and happiness Children are original blessings, here to learn their own song. Every girl and boy is entitled to love, to dream, and belong to a loving village, and to pursue a life of purpose. We affirm our duty to nourish and nurture the young. To honor their caring ideals as the heart of being human. To recognize the early years as the foundation of life and to cherish the contribution of young children to human evolution. We commit ourselves to peaceful ways and vow to keep from harm or neglect. These are most vulnerable citizens. As guardians of their prosperity, we honor the bountiful earth whose diversity sustains us. Thus we pledge our love for generations to come. That's remarkable. Thank you. Uh, could you uh, read us what the Dalai Lama said? It was hardest to hear the eldest person and easiest to hear the youngest person. Uh-huh. Yes, I, I think he said, uh, every girl and boy is entitled to love, to dream, and belong to a loving village and to pursue a life of purpose. Yes. Uh, we, we need to take a break, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk more with Rafi about um, our evolution toward a deeper and more inclusive culture of respect by, honoring, by child honoring. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI 
partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI Actions and Events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI Eco Steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures, today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, I'm here with Rafi, the uh, Washington Post. One said that, uh, help me out, Rafi, what did the Washington Post say? The Post called me the most popular children's entertainer in the English-speaking world. And, and I, I would agree. Having raised three sons with, you know, your music getting us through the car rides and stuff, um, uh, you're way up there. You're at the top of our list. Uh, and I'm so grateful that your music was so listenable for both the parents and the children. Too often singers don't manage to... Uh, be respectful of of both groups and therefore not um, so easy for one group to listen to the other person's music. Um, now, you're at the uh, Center for Child Honoring. How yes. can people, um, oh, and you also have a, a book out, Child Honoring, How to Turn This World Around, and we're going to play your tune, how, your song, How to Turn, um, turn This World Around, uh, later in the program, but... Um, before I forget, tell us how people can uh, find out more about your work at the Center for Child Honoring. Oh, sure. Um, people can go to childhonoring.org, just www.childhonoring, H-O-N-O-U-R-I-N-G, .org. And there, uh, there's a lot to read, a lot that you can download for free. Uh, there is new music. Uh, that I've written with which to express uh, the child-honoring themes. This is motivational music for adults that you can download. You can also purchase the CDs, Resisto Dancing and Communion. The book, Child Honoring, How to Turn This World Around, has just been released in soft cover. Uh, it includes now an essay by a Harvard student who chose child-honoring as a theme for his environmental ethics course. It's quite the, quite the book with many... Uh, illustrious uh, contributors. This is an anthology of essays um, from Barbara Kingsolver to Fritjof Capra, 
Matthew Fox, Penelope Leach of England, Grasa Machel. So David Corton's also in the book. So it's quite a, quite a collection, I must say. Also, yeah, that, that I like the up. article. But I like the article by Rain Eisler as well. The benefits of partnership. Oh, and yeah, children are honored great. there. His peace and prosperity. Yes, absolutely. She's great. Yeah. Now, also downloadable at childhonoring.org is the covenant that we just heard in the last segment, and I wanted to uh, list the nine child honoring principles that arise from that covenant, and they are as follows: respectful love, diversity, caring community, conscious parenting, emotional intelligence, nonviolence safe environments, sustainability, and ethical commerce. And the reason I mention them, Rob, is that through the child-honoring earth and child lens, through that way of seeing the world, uh, not only are we all children of Mother Earth, but we live in interconnected systems. There's no such thing as the environment apart from the organisms, you know, who share it. So these principles, the nine of them, I think provide the basis of uh, a consensus on what human beings need to thrive worldwide. That's why the mission of the Center for Child Honoring is to advance child honoring as a universal ethic to be uh, lived and shared in locally wise ways all over the world. It's really remarkable. People are so quick to say, oh, children's things are for children and stuff, and this is totally a humanity ethic. Right. It's earth and child. It's, uh, you know, uh, humanity within uh, the community of nature. And, and yet underlying it is this primacy for early uh, childhood. Yes, let me talk about that, Rob. Um, I think one of the most uh, astonishing discoveries about human development in the last 20 years has been the growing understanding that it's the first years of life that set us up for a lifetime of behavior that significantly shape our emotional tone of being, our propensity for action uh, that is uh, uh, wise as opposed to action that is not unwise. So... You know, we used to say it's education is the making of a person. Now we understand that even before children get to school and to their more formal learning, it's in the early years experience that a sense of, uh, a sense of self is formed and also a sense of the world. In other words, our foreign policy. You know, what does the world feel like to us? Does it feel like a place that's uh, safe uh, to investigate and, and be curious and wondrous about? Or does it feel like a frightening place uh, that constrains our, our dreams and so on? All that comes from our very first impressions of life. So it's extremely important. This is why I emphasize the primacy of early years in child honoring. It's extremely important that a baby's first experience of life is affirming. Uh, we need to feel right, good, and welcome in the world, as Jean Leadloff wrote in the book, The Continuum Concept. Uh, and so in feeling welcome in the world, 
we join that circle of belonging in which we feel we play a part. And then we become the resourceful adults, the productive citizens, and the wise earth stewards, rather than the uh, compulsive, uh, you know, uh, violence-prone individuals that uh, uh, are in too many of our neighborhoods. So that's why I say the best way to create a sustainable society is in how we treat and how we regard the very youngest among us because they are the most impressionable and vulnerable of citizens. It's a really elegant approach because we do so care for children. And I found as an educator, and especially as an environmental advocate, that the best way to reach parents and adults are to speak to the parents of young children. They, they come with their kids attached to their knees, and they're <laughs> open to learning about you know, what can they do to better the world through the eyes of their children. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we all, we all love our children, or so we say. <laughs> so, so I think we can play to that love, you know, that is there in people. Uh, you know, our desire to give, to give children our best is something that I think strategically is an untapped resource for good in the world. So Absolutely. We think, we can think about, you know, how, how do we create the conditions that most optimize the developmental intelligence of our species. Uh, we know that we live in a very, very difficult moment right now, in perhaps a pivotal moment. And uh, all of us need to be part of the solution of how we get through uh, these next uh, 15 to 20 years. In t- yes. Yes, and I find that uh, my personal campaign as a teacher and as a museum person is um, I'm looking for ways to make parents, and particularly dads, look good for their children. So we look for ways that, because we do, we want to sound intelligent, we want to be helpful. So rather, when there's a bird on exhibit, you don't put the name in a little tiny 12-point print. You have the name in big letters, and so dad can say, oh, look at the snowy owl, because if you can't help parents look good, they're going to, in the case of the museum visit, they're going to say, oh, let's go look at the polar bear over there and, and move away from what the child is interacting with in, in the foreground. So this is a, a, a wonderful approach of engaging um, multiple generations uh, in the name of child honoring. Thank you. May I say another word about the universality of all this? Please. Across all cultures, Rob, we find what I call an essential humanity a humanity most visible in early childhood, a playful, intelligent, and, you know, very creative way of being. And this early experience lasts a lifetime, as I've said before. It shapes our sense of self and how we see others. It also shapes our sense of what is possible, our emerging worldview. And so I I would say that the irreducible needs of all children, and I'm talking about children as universal human beings, because... The infant of every culture is the same biological being. If you consider that, the irreducible needs of all children can offer a unifying ethic by which the cultures of our world might reorder their priorities. Yes, so this is the, as you say in your book, this is the circle where we all belong. That's it.
And we're excited now to see the freedom rallies all over the uh, Arabic world. And I'm excited to think that children and families in these societies uh, who are now demanding uh, to live free can have a chance to uh, also contribute to the global dialogue on how we live honorably with one another. Because for too many decades, the, the uh, adversarial geopolitics of realpolitik have held sway, and uh, it's, it's ruining our world. We need a, a very different ethic. I think we need a child-honoring ethic uh, by which to reorder our priorities. Yeah, you've got um, signs of old Christian principles in there, in that uh, the old Christian principle was that families make the person whole, and uh, we've been focusing so much on adult individuals, and by focusing on children, you're taking a family approach to things, which is most remarkable. Well, thank you, and perhaps there's something, uh, you know, slightly novel in this, too, because, you know, we uh, have read about honor thy mother and father. Well, this is, a, this is a, a vision that's saying, by honoring the child, and let me make this clear for listeners, we're not talking about a permissive parenting situation we're not talking about indulging children or a world where children rule. We're not talking about that at all. We're talking about a basic respect for personhood right from the beginning. Uh, I remember Khalil Gibran wrote in his beautiful book, The Prophet, he said, your children are not your own. They come from you, uh, from you but they're not of you, he said. It's very interesting to remember that. So we're talking about respect for the child as a legitimate other, even in the bonds of belonging uh, of, of relations that we share as guides to the children that we bring into the world, we can respect them for who they are. That's why the covenant talks about every girl and boy needs to learn their own song. Yes, it's, it's just remarkable. You really kind of, it feels familiar, and yet it is a, a, a very new paradigm. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Uh, after this break, we're going to return to Rafi and talk some more about um, the plight of the beluga whales. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization 
organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures, today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're back with Rafi. Uh, the, the singer, a songwriter that uh, has filled my world as I raised my kids, and, and now is, he's um, stepped back from being a troubadour and just singing kids' song and has returned to school and, and come up with some doctorates and, and uh, has built an amazing, remarkable, original ethic philosophy of, uh, for humanity that pivots around child-honoring and respect uh, through the lens of the child for essentially everybody and everything. And um, when you started your, um, you know, your song Baby Beluga was, as we say here in Massachusetts, a wicked awesome song for a number of reasons. And most wicked is the plight of the belugas that you refer to in a song that has become a clarion call for many. Now, why are belugas so important, Rafi? Well, let me back up to 1979. Uh, I was aware of the plight of whales around the world through whaling and, you know, the cull of uh, these magnificent animals at uh, great numbers. So there was a Save the Whale movement in, 19, in the mid-1970s that I was aware of, and I wanted to write a song to express something about that. And, and I thought, well, maybe it should be a love song, because if you love uh, some, somebody, you want to protect them, you know? And I didn't want to write a sad save the whale lament. It was 1979. I had been in my children's career now for a couple of years. I had a couple of very successful children's albums out. And I happened to visit the aquarium in uh, Vancouver, which is a very fine aquarium. And yet here it is. It has these, uh, you know, two uh, beluga whales in it, captive. Nevertheless, you know, human (laughs) situations are uh, full of paradox, aren't they? Uh, I was able at the aquarium to play with Kavna. Uh, the trainer took me in, and I played with this magnificent whale. Oh, my God, this beluga was so beautiful, so playful. And in a, in a memorable moment, it came up and gave me a kiss on the cheek. I mean, it could have uh-huh. easily bowled me over, but it didn't. It was so gentle. I was so moved. I went back and wanted to write this beluga song, and, and my wife at the time, who was a kindergarten teacher... 
She said, make it about a baby whale. Children love babies. <laughs> so that's what I did. I wrote a, a love, I wrote a love song for a baby beluga as a way of uh, instilling love in the hearts of uh, many children who would hopefully grow up, you know, to build on that love and care about the world in which we all live. Because the belugas now in the St. Lawrence River uh, have been found uh, to have uh, toxins at such high levels that their bodies can be considered hazardous waste sites. And isn't that sad? Mm. Isn't that terrible? It is very terrible, and it's because of these toxins that we're putting out in the environment that get trapped in their fat cells, I guess, and get passed from mother to baby. That's right. They have uh, a lot of fatty cells. And you're exactly right about that. And it's not just the belugas in the St. Lawrence, but recently the orca whales, even in the uh, waters around which uh, I live, uh, out on the west coast uh, of Canada, I'm on Salt Spring Island, even in our waters, the orca whales, there was a, a report by the Globe and Mail newspaper of Canada showing that their bodies have the same very high level of toxins. And what's amazing to consider is that every child now born in, in this world is coming to life with, a, with what we call a body burden of toxic chemicals. I've learned this through my work with Dr. Philip Landrigan, who we mentioned earlier in the first segment, and also through the work of Theo Colborn and others, uh, scientists who, uh, uh, whose work is in the book Our Stolen Future, which came out in 1996. This body burden of chemicals now uh, is, uh, you know, we used to talk about children at risk, the very fact is now that all children born today are children at risk. And this is what we have to turn around, and this is why we need to comprehensively detoxify this world. Yes. Yeah, well, thank you for, you know, bringing the, the plight of the beluga to our attention. Um, the Ocean River Institute that I work for has been watching the beluga whales of Cook Inlet, Alaska. This is a complete population, its own population of belugas, and the numbers kept going down and down and down. And uh, so uh, 26,000 individuals participated with, 20, with 2,000 or 2,200 writing personal comments about why the Cook Inlet beluga whales should be recognized as endangered. Mm. And that happened. They recognized them as endangered, and the reason for that was that now they have to make a general management plan, so people are again writing to the former governor and, and now to uh, NOAA in general, to the U.S. government in general, about, you know, please be responsible stewards of the habitat that these whales live in. And if people want to know more about that, it's oceanriver.org. And um, I, I urge you to take a look at that. And, and uh, if people want to be connected to our free e-alerts, they can keep in touch with those and other things around. But uh, this... Uh, education is the first key, and then the second key is to just open your eyes and look at your environment about what is going into it that shouldn't be. And people ask me, what do you do? And I tell them, well, if you have trouble figuring out, ask a child, because they're closer to the ground, and they're going to see what's going on. <laughs> Isn't it remarkable how acute and uh, aware they are? Yes, they sure are, and you're doing great work on that website. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rafi. Uh, but... But that's just one of the issues that you're seeing uh, that's impacting the, the world that's children, right, environmental impacts? 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at children's environmental health, uh, the body burden of toxic chemicals includes the PCBs and the dioxins and furans. And, um, and uh, one thing we can all do, I mean, is to make better choices in our lives. For example, the paper that we use. If you get paper, conventional paper that's bleached with chlorine, that process contributes to dioxins and furans being released into our air and water. Dioxins are among the most lethal toxic compounds ever created. So mm. what you can do is you can, you can, as I do, buy chlorine-free paper. You should look for 100% post-consumer chlorine-free paper. And uh, that paper is bleached the second time uh, by hydrogen peroxide. When I say the second time, it's because the fibers are post-consumer, you see? Right. So hydrogen peroxide is a, is a benign bleaching process. So everywhere where there's a, an alternative to a poisonous, polluting process, we need to, to opt for the, um, the benign uh, process. And we need, the, we need the help of government to uh, steer and support us going in the right direction. It can't just be left to individuals because the, the, the good paper, the benign paper, sometimes costs twice as much as the conventional paper. Now, if you had governments subsidizing life-affirming benign processes instead of subsidizing fossil fuels, then we can make up the difference in that, in that cost. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. We really need government helping us. You know, we need government to get the lead out of gasoline. They said that the cars wouldn't run without lead in the gasoline, and yet the lead was crippling our bodies of all ages. That's and right. it took us a long time to do that. So changing the paper in your life is one thing you can do. If, if you uh, work at an office uh, with colleagues, uh, bring this up as an issue. See about, uh, you know, the, the office ordering chlorine-free paper for all its uh, printing uses. Uh, it's just uh, there's no excuse not to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating when you ask people, you know, think about what can you do in your community that that will make a difference in, and uh, the different answers they come up with. Yeah. Uh, we had the fortunate um, situation in the United States um, of uh, the government not wanting to do much about carbon loading in the atmosphere that's causing global warming, climate change. And so it fell upon the states, and the states, most states didn't want to do much of anything. And so it fell upon communities. and. The, the feds and the big government were trying to find the number one problem, and then they said they couldn't fix it, whereas the local communities were looking for the little problems, like you said, using the right kind of paper right. and uh, taking little steps in their own communities that has resulted in a remarkable decrease in the amount of carbon that local communities are and a huge increase in awareness. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well. And you touch upon global warming, too, in your work, and that, that Huffington Post article was most remarkable, and I think it's what brought my attention to your work. Thank you very much. For those who haven't read that article, uh, it's called The Right to a Future, uh, An Urgent Need for a New Lens and Lexicon to Convey the Climate Threat. And you can find that article in its full 7,000-word length at childhonoring.org. And I'm essentially saying that... Uh, that uh, global warming, climate uh, change, is not one among a number of crises, that it is the greatest 
threat on Earth. And uh, when I wrote this essay, people were so taken by it that I got a meeting with um, uh, the leading climatologist in the world, uh, Dr. James Hansen of New York. And Lester Brown of earthpolicy.org also was very moved by it. And both of these gentlemen uh, put out uh, this uh, essay on their listservs. And uh, I, I would love it if uh, your listeners uh, went to childonring.org and downloaded the essay. Yes, it's it's going around on Facebook as well. Do you have a do you have a Facebook page or do you Twitter or any of that stuff? Uh, the Center for Child Honoring has a Facebook page, and there's also Excellent. another Facebook page called Rafi Beluga Grads. So <laughs> I would uh, I would uh, ask uh, I would steer your listeners to those pages. The Beluga Absolutely. Grads one we need uh, all kinds of Beluga Grads to show up in great numbers on there and. And uh, there's strength in numbers, so let's get those numbers up. I'm there's speaking with Rafi, and we're going to take a short break and be right back, uh, and we're going to play one of his latest songs in the next segment. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. All together Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. 
Hi, I'm talking with Rafi Kabukian uh, about, well, we were talking about saving baby belugas, and we're talking now about um, his child-honoring work, and the book that he has out is called Child-Honoring, How to Turn This World Around. So we're going to talk some more now about um, how you came to the title, Turn This World Around. Well, in, in 2000, Nelson Mandela uh, gave a talk in which he said, empty rhetoric from world leaders is no longer sufficient. He said, what we need, he said, is to turn this world around for the children. And I was so struck by that comment that I thought it would make the basis of a great song. And I would say that Nelson Mandela's call to turn this world around for the children is the plea of this century, the cry of humanity's elder on behalf of the young of every continent. Yes, I will agree. Uh, we're going to play the song. Would you like to introduce it? Uh, here is my song inspired by Nelson Mandela uh, called Turn This World Around. Heard it from Mandela, turn this world around for the children, turn this world around. He's done it once before, and now we hear his call for the children, turn this world around. Turn, 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 turn this world around for the children. Turn this world around Turn, turn, turn Turn this world around For the children Turn this world around The dreams of our young ones Born into this world Need respect and love to come alive Honoring the children is what we're here to do Now is the hour And we've got the power To turn, turn, turn Turn this world around For the children Turn this world around Turn, turn, turn Turn this world around For the children Turn this world around Every nation's leaders put their children first Care and provide for every child Each and every household could sing a song of joy And all around this planet a new light within it Could turn, turn, turn Turn this world around for the children Turn this world around Turn, turn, turn Turn this world around For the children Turn this world around And the children sing Help our light to shine May we all be fed May we all be loved May the others hear Open up their hearts to this song of ours. May they do their part 
May our dreams unfold. May we find our place in a healthy world, embracing every race. May we all be free. May we live in peace. Hear the children sing. Hear us sing. Turn, turn, turn. Turn this world around for the children. Turn this world around. Turn, turn, turn. Turn this world around for the children. Turn this world around. We heard it from Mandela. Turn this world around for the children. Turn this world around. He's done it once before. And now we hear his call for the children. Turn this world around. Turn, turn, turn. Turn this world around for the children. Turn this world around. Turn, turn, turn. Turn this world around for the children. Turn this world around. children turn this world around for the children turn this world around for the children turn this world around hey that's fabulous thank you uh, so tell us about, you know, with all these things confronting our generation, what are the systemic changes? Thank you. Um, by the way, do you know that I got to sing that song for Mandela? Yeah, I see him in the audience clapping with you and everything. It's just uh, phenomenal. Got, now, if people want to see your um, performance on YouTube, I urge them to uh, look for the one that is at your website. Sure. You'll see it on the YouTube listing, which is uh, is it childhonoring.org? Childhonoring.org, yep. Yeah. yeah uh, no, the performance is fabulous. You look very suave with your dark glasses on to begin with. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think that, you know, as we look forward, you know, as I said, our greatest challenge is global warming, and we need to remember that the constituent, you know, polluting activities that cause it, uh, in, 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 in battling global warming, what we're really doing is is uh, detoxifying every environment in the ecology of the child. That's how I think about it. So it's a win-win all around to, uh, turn, uh, to turn around our polluting ways uh, to benign, uh, smart, system-smart, you know, clean energies and so on. And whatever the future brings, Rob, you know, whether it's best-case best scenarios or the worst, there will still be children to look after. As Leonard Cohen wrote in his song, Suzanne, he wrote, there are children in the morning. They are leaning out for love, and they will lean that way forever. So, you know, whether we have natural calamities, terrorist strikes, wars, uh, rising seawaters, we have a duty to the children. So 
I'm looking for ways that child honoring as a moral imperative can be understood by people, uh, talked about, and engaged worldwide. And I think it will take the whole village. Uh, you know, they say it takes a village to raise the child. So I think that parents and educators are needed uh, in this, you know, uh, uh, mission to advance child honoring. Certainly CEOs and policymakers need to embrace uh, child honoring principles. Grandparents and graduates, social justice and human rights activists, I could go on and on and on. I will say this, no belief system is more vital than a child's need to believe in the love of their caregivers and their community. I love the way you um, play on the concept of respect because it comes down to, you know, we need to respect the children. We need to respect the earth. We need to respect what we're doing to, uh, to everything. And uh, it's not that you expect everyone to become an expert on the science of global warming or toxic biomagnification, but that uh, there needs to be respect and stewardship of first the children and um, first our own and then the broader humanity and then the broader uh, world around us, I guess. That's exactly right. It's respecting earth and child and all the, uh, the natural systems and relational uh, groupings that hold us in the bonds of our love. This is a work of love that we're talking about. This is the only uh, social revolution. Child honoring is the only social revolution inspired by the growing child. Uh, so we can all uh, certainly be moved to do our part, and I think it gives us a reorientation to life. It really does, because love is, is, is uh, an act of faith in, in, in the other, and we you know, don't need to know what's wrong that we're doing. We need to just try to do right because it's the right thing to do, not because we've done some cost analysis or anything. It's just, you know, we, <laughs> we've got to you do right. That. You're so right. I want to tell you something fun. I just wrote a new song. Tell us. Well, not, not only do I have my, my two albums, my two CDs of the last uh, four years, there's one in 2006 called Resisto Dancing, on which uh, Turn This World Around is, and The Covenant uh, also is on Resisto Dancing. In 2009, I released an, a CD called Communion, which uh, I think uh, listeners will really enjoy. There's a song on it called Sustainability, a very danceable five-minute tutorial called Sustainability. Uh, I just wrote a new song inspired by social media's role in the Cairo Revolution. This is called, are you ready for this? It's called Tweet Me Right. Tweet Me Right. Tweet me right, the Cairo Tango. <laughs> oh, boy. And it'll be on YouTube uh, probably later this week. So people should sign up to your uh, Facebook and go to your webpage, get connected to Rafi uh, and the Child Honoring um, Covenant Program uh, so that they can hear about uh, Tweet Me Right when it comes out and so forth. We're, we're about out of time, Rafi. I really want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me and to all the eco-steward listeners who care about uh, belugas and children and environments and a more peaceful, uh, better stewardship society. Thank you so much, Rob. I really enjoyed our conversation. May we all inspire each other to be of greater service in the world towards 
a world that honors its young and living for the greatest possible good. Thank you, Rafi. That's it for this episode of Ocean River Shields of Achilles. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Green Living Channel. We'll talk again then. (laughs) 